good. I've, I've got, for 13 years, I've been looking for noodles that good, and I can't find any. Now, one reason is because I was so hungry, right? I was so hungry that anything would have tasted delicious to me at that moment, but, but it was so good, and, I, and I'm a, uh, that was one of my favorite food memories. Okay, you all have a time when you probably were really hungry, right? You can think of a time where you, just, you were just, you, were, you had not eaten for a while, and you were very hungry. You worked hard, or it had been a while, and then, and probably also a time, maybe the same time like me, where you were very satisfied with some food. Aren't you glad we're not plants? You know, like, like plants just, it's photosynthesis, right? That's what it's called, photosynthesis. They just like take it in, you know, just it just kind of seeps through the layers into their being. Uh, we could, God could have designed us that way. Like we would have stepped outside and just soaked it in and like been, been good for the day. But we're not plants. We have, we have stomachs that have hunger pains. And we have taste buds that when we, when we eat, we taste that delicious food and we feel the satisfaction of it going down into our stomachs. Are you guys hungry right now? Like, I hope you're getting hungry. But God designed us this way, and I'm so glad he did. I'd much rather have hunger pains than the satisfaction of food than just stepping outside and, and, and being like a plant with photosynthesis. Right? God, God did this, though. He made us this way. And one reason he did was to teach us about a deeper hunger and to teach us about a greater satisfaction than we find in physical food. You can open to the Gospel of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 5, that we're going through this, this series called Following the Fulfillment, looking at uh, what it means to follow Jesus and, and who, who Jesus is. And we're in the Sermon on the Mount right now. We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount for a while because it is a rich piece of Scripture. And we're in the Beatitudes, just starting this sermon. It's, and it's important, the Beatitudes are so important to the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount is filled with instructions, right? It's filled with, with ways that we should live uh, for the glory of God. But it doesn't start there. God doesn't uh, start by giving us instructions and say, do this. No, God begins, and Jesus begins here with, with the Beatitudes, with pronouncements of blessing and favor. And, and, and in response to that blessing, in response to that favor, we are called to live. And, and obey. It's, it's the logic of the gospel. It's the logic of grace, as we've seen, that God blesses us and then says, therefore, follow. Therefore, obey. And so we're in the Beatitudes, and we're seeing who is blessed. Who, who receives this blessing? Who receives what, what we call is this unshakable happiness? The word blessed means happy, but it's not just this superficial happiness. It's this unshakable happiness in, in life. Who, who has that? And last week we saw that unshakable happiness belongs to the humble. If you look at Matthew 5, verses 3 through 5, we see, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. These are all expressions of humility before God. These are all ways that we, we come to God and say, God, we have nothing to offer you. We have no righteousness of our own. All we have is sin and brokenness to mourn over. And though we were rebellious, now we humbly submit to your will, Lord Happy are the humble. Unshakable happiness belongs to the humble. That's what we saw last week. This week, Jesus continues and he adds this picture. Happy are the humble. Now this morning we're going to see happy are the hungry. Happy are the hungry. Unshakable happiness belongs to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's read these next three Beatitudes, verses 6 through 8. Matthew 5, verses 6 through 8. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Just like last week, we see a common theme here in these next three Beatitudes that's revolving around righteousness. And and it begins with this hunger and thirst for righteousness, and then that leads to the next two Beatitudes of of mercy and being pure in heart. And so this morning, what I'm going to do to structure the message, just so you can follow along, is we're just going to structure it according to this first verse in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. We're just going to tease that verse out this morning and, and then see how verses 7 and 8 come from that. And so let's dive in now and just look first at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, this is, this is, this is saying unshakably happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what, what does it mean? Who has unshakable happiness? Well, hunger and thirst. Again, we, we're, we're talking about these Experiences we all know. We all know what it is to be hungry. We all know what it is to be thirsty. You're outside on a hot day working, and, and there's nothing like a cool glass of water. right? You, you've not eaten for a while. There's nothing like, like having the satisfaction of food in your stomach. But I don't think that this, this, Jesus is just pointing to our normal everyday experiences of hunger and thirst. Like, I'm hungry right now, and I had breakfast this morning. Jesus is speaking of a hunger and thirst that is really pictured in, in poverty and in weakness. You, you, remember, these are people who are poor in spirit, right? And so, so they're coming to the Lord, and, and they're saying, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. And this is the hunger of someone who says, I, I, I have not had a meal. And, and if I don't eat soon, if I don't drink soon, I am going to die. See, food and drink are not just for, for to satisfy us. They're, to, they're for us to survive. We need these things, right? And, and for someone that doesn't have them, then the attitude is not just, oh, I'd like, I'd like a burger. No, it's like, I need food to survive. I need, I need drink to live. I, I'm in a desert, and I need water right now. This, this is the kind of hunger and thirst that Jesus is picturing. It's not just desire, but it's need. It's desperation. It, 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 without it, I cannot go on. This is the kind of hunger and thirst we should be picturing. Now, what are they hungering and thirsting for? For righteousness. For righteousness. So what is that? What is, what is righteousness? Well, if we just take a general definition, righteousness is, is that which is, is right. It, it, it's in accord with what is right, with what is good, with what is moral. But when we take a definition like that, who decides what righteousness is? Right? Is, is, is it just up to each of us to decide what righteousness is? Is it up, is it up to our society? Is it the moral consensus is it the Constitution? Is it some other law code? Who decides righteousness? And, and the ultimate answer is, is, is that God decides what is righteous. God is righteous, and God has no standard of righteousness outside of himself. God is the one that, that decides what is righteousness. And, and so when we talk about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we're really talking about hungering and thirsting to, to be someone who does the will of God. We are hungering and thirsting to be someone who pleases God. So, so, someone who lives in a way that, that meets with God's own righteous standards. That, that, that's the kind of righteousness that, that is being desired. 
But it's more than just living in a way that pleases God. It's also, in a relation to God, it's, it's wanting to actually be right with God. It's not just wanting to be righteous before God. It's wanting to be right with God, in a right relationship with God. That, that, that in God's perspective, we would be pleasing to Him. So they're hungering and thirsting for this, this life that pleases God, and therefore that God, God accepts this person and, and says, you have lived in a way that pleases my heart and that satisfies my holiness and that is in accord with my own righteousness. This is the kind of righteousness that Jesus is picturing here. Well, here's the problem then. When you read scripture, you want to always read in light of the rest of scripture, right? And, and so when you do that, sometimes you realize, well, there's a contradiction here. And this is one of those passages because the rest of scripture would tell us that no one does this. Okay, so Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But the rest of scripture tells us no one naturally does that. There's no one on this earth that on their own is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Desiring it, wanting it, seeking it. No, no one does. The Gospel of John says that when Jesus came to the world that men loved the darkness. They loved the darkness. They don't want anything to do with it. They love the darkness because they love their sins and they wanted to remain in their sins. That's not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Romans 8, 7 and 8 says this. Romans 8, verses 7 and 8, important passage. This is describing the sinful man. Each of us in our own natural state as sinners. Here's what it says. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And, and so here's the picture, is, is that those who are in the flesh, that, that is every one of us born with sinful natures, we do not want to follow God's law. Even if we did, it says we cannot, but we don't want to. Look, it says we're hostile to God. Sinners are born hostile to God. That is at enmity with God. We don't want God. We don't want righteousness. We don't want His ways. We want our sin. We want ourselves. We want our ways. This is who we are. And then Romans 3, again, says it just so clearly. Romans 3, 10 and 11. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. And so, again, it's saying no one is righteous, but, but we shouldn't picture a bunch of unrighteous people that are really wishing they were righteous. No, no one is righteous, no one seeks for God. No one is righteous, no one seeks for God. We are happy in our unrighteousness. We are happy in our rebellion. We are happy in our hostility to God. That is how each of us is born. That is who each of us is left to ourselves. And so when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but then we read these scriptures, are we to conclude that no one is blessed? Are we to conclude that, that no one is happy? No one receives this? Well, no. It, scripture tells us that there are people who receive this blessing, but, but it's not because of who we are. It's because of who God is and because of God's grace in our lives. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are doing so because God has worked in their hearts to want that. This is the work of regeneration. That word just means that God comes inside our hearts by His Spirit and He makes us new creatures. He, he 
It's, we are born again. We are born again and transformed so that we are new. And that old heart that was hostile to God, that hated God, that, that turned away from God, that didn't want God, that, that heart is gone. And a new heart is there that, that, that desires God and thirsts for God. Turn with me to the book of Titus. This is so important to see this morning. The book of Titus shows us the work of regeneration so clearly. I'm going to look at Titus chapter 3 with you for just a moment, then we'll go back to Matthew. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Paul says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Now notice, that is not a description of someone who's hungering and thirsting for righteousness, right? That's a description of people who love unrighteousness and are happy to live in it. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So when we were living this way, led astray by various passions, hating one another, hating God, living foolishly, loving unrighteousness, God saved us by sending His Holy Spirit to regenerate our hearts, to make us new creatures through Christ. And, and so then if you look up to chapter 2 in Titus, look at the effect of this. In chapter 2, he's talking about those whom God has saved. And he says in verse 14 that that we are, let's start in verse 13, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, look, who are zealous for good works. Who are zealous for good works. That is zealous for righteous works. Zealous for works that please God. So what's happened? Before we were foolish, led astray, hating each other, hating God, following our sinful passions, now through regeneration and through the gospel, through God's saving work, we are zealous for good works. We are passionate for righteousness. We are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. This is the work of God's grace in the gospel. This is the work of regeneration. And, 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 and this, this is how someone comes to hunger and thirst for righteousness, is God does it in you. And, and so here's a question we need to ask ourselves this morning. You need to ask yourself this morning about, about what God's Word is saying. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Ask yourself that question this morning. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you long to be righteous? Do you long to please God? Do you desire to be right with Him? Do you crave His approval in your life? Do you crave holiness? If not, if you can't say that you have a true hunger and thirst in your heart for righteousness, then it's possible that you need to call out to God to truly save you for the first time because, because this is the evidence of a new heart. The evidence of a new heart is you want righteousness, you want holiness, you want to live in a way that pleases God. You're not satisfied just with forgiveness, you want to live righteously. 
And so call out to God to save you this morning. Call out to God for that work of regeneration that you cannot do yourself. None of us chose to be born, and none of us can choose to be born again, but you can call out to God and say, God, I need a new heart. Save me. If you do hunger and thirst for righteousness, then know that you are blessed. God has blessed you. God has done this in you. You, you, you hunger and thirst for these things because God has worked in your heart. I want to ask this question. Why would someone who's hungry be blessed? Why, why would someone who's hungry be blessed? That's what he's saying, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I'm hungry, and he's saying, you're, you're blessed. Why would someone who's hungry be blessed? Why would someone who's hungry be happy? Well, just think, if, if it was my birthday, there's no hints here or anything like that, but... If it was my birthday, I would love to go out to dinner at my favorite restaurant on my birthday. And uh, if I knew I was going to my favorite restaurant, let's just say it's Cheesecake Factory, all right? Again, no hints or anything, just saying. But if I knew I was going to Cheesecake Factory, I might choose not to eat that day. And I may at some point be really hungry during the day. And, And if you saw me, I'd be very happy as well. Why would I be so happy, even though I'm hungry? Because I know I'm gonna be satisfied. I'm about to eat good food, and I'm going to eat cheesecake, and I'm going to, it's going to be wonderful. And this is why Jesus says we're blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This confidence that, yes, I'm hungry, but God is going to satisfy that hunger. Yes, I'm thirsty, but God is going to give me drink. And so I'm happy because I know what's coming. That's what Jesus is saying. We are unshakably happy because God promises to satisfy that hunger. So let's look now at for they shall be satisfied. How does God satisfy our hunger and thirst for righteousness? How does God do this? There are three things that we see in the New Testament that we can say about this. First, God satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness by declaring us righteous in Christ. He does it by declaring us righteous in Christ. This is what you would call imputed righteousness. And this is really at the very heart of the gospel. What is the gospel all about? The gospel is about the fact that we are unrighteous, that we have sinned, that that our record of debt stands against us and deserves condemnation and deserves death. We have no righteousness before God. Jesus came and lived a holy, perfectly righteous life. And then on the cross, he took our unrighteousness on himself. He died for our unrighteousness. He bore our unrighteousness in his body on the tree And then God, when we put our faith in him, credits Jesus' righteousness to our account. He gives us his righteous life as a gift to us. He says, you are righteous with Christ's righteousness. It's not your righteousness. This has nothing to do with how you've lived. This has nothing to do with what you've done. This is everything to do with what Jesus has done. Jesus lived a righteous life. He died for your sins. And now you receive his righteousness before God in God is your judge. He declares you righteous as you're united to Jesus Christ by faith. And this satisfies a heart that is hungry for righteousness because what we really want is to be right with God. We want to be right with God. We don't just want to be righteous. We want to be right with Him. And in declaring us righteous with Christ's righteousness, God says, you are right with me. 
You are in right relationship to me now because of what Jesus has done. This is the great exchange of the gospel. Jesus took our sins and we receive his righteousness by faith. This satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness. But that is not all. That's, not, that, that, that's imputed righteousness. That's justification. God declares us righteous in Christ, but that's not all. Then God makes us righteous by his spirit. God makes us righteous by his spirit. This is what you call sanctification. This is progressive righteousness. God doesn't just forgive us, justify us, and then leave us to sin the rest of our lives. No, God begins to change us from the inside out. He begins to sanctify us. He begins to actually make us righteous in real time, in our real lives. And this is where we see in Matthew, uh, the next two verses of, of who was blessed. We see the outworking of righteousness in the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. These are fruits of righteousness in our lives. These are the fruits of God's work in our hearts. So, so let's just look at these two fruits for a moment. Blessed are the merciful. You know, it's interesting, the Pharisees in Jesus' day were considered the righteous ones, right? The Pharisees were the ones that, that obeyed God's law. The Pharisees were the ones that, that, that kept the law, that, that dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's, and, and everyone looked at them as righteous. But you know what they were not? The Pharisees were not merciful. The Pharisees were not gracious. The Pharisees were not forgiving. Because the Pharisees felt like they had earned their righteousness. And anyone who didn't earn their righteousness, they looked down on and said, that you, you are not doing good enough. But that's not the kind of righteousness that we have. We've been given righteousness when we were unrighteous. We know we don't deserve it. We know it's not us. We know that God has shown us mercy and forgiveness. And so one of the distinct fruits of Christian righteousness is mercy. This is gospel righteousness. It's, it's, it's mercy toward others. Having a merciful, gracious, forgiving disposition to others. That is a fruit of righteousness that comes directly from the gospel. That, that's the kind of righteousness that reflects Jesus Christ and that pleases God. Is, is that we would show mercy to those who struggle. That we would show grace to those who sin against us. That we would forgive and so the merciful are those whom God is satisfying with righteousness. When you show mercy to someone, when you show forgiveness to someone, that is God working in you to be righteous. And that's the praise to the praise of his work in your life. And then a pure heart. Again, let's think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees' righteousness was all external. It, it, was, it was all before men. It was, all, it was all about what people could see. But Jesus said, your heart is far from me. Jesus came and he said that you need a righteousness that begins on the inside. You need a righteousness that is about your love for me and your worship of me and your desire for my glory. And this is what he's talking about here is that, that the pure in heart, the ones who have true worship of God, the ones who love God truly in their hearts, these, this is the fruit of righteousness and that works itself out in our lives. But he's pointing to the righteousness of the heart that God actually works in us by his spirit. He causes us to love him. He causes us to worship him. He causes us to want his glory. Have you ever prayed, not to us, but to your name be the glory? If you've prayed that truly, that's God's work in you to make you righteous from the heart. So these are just two fruits that we see that are distinctly tied to the gospel and to God's work by his spirit to make us righteous. And this satisfies us. 
I'm hungering for righteousness. I'm thirsty for righteousness. And God, you are satisfying that by making me merciful and making me pure in my heart increasingly over the course of my life. So he declares us righteous in Christ. He makes us righteous by his spirit, but then also he will perfect our righteousness in glory. He will perfect our righteousness in glory. That, that, that this is absolute righteousness, ultimate righteousness. This is the righteousness of glorification. When Jesus returns, when our bodies are resurrected, you know what? When that day comes, you, Christian, will be perfectly righteous. You will not struggle with sin anymore. You will not want to sin anymore. The old man will be done away with in such a way that you will never have to think about him anymore. You will receive perfect righteousness. When we see Christ, 1 John says, we will be like him when we see him as he is. That day is coming, and that day will satisfy us. Jesus says that the merciful will receive mercy. And that's speaking of that day. It's speaking, we will receive mercy on the day of judgment when all people that have ever lived come before the throne of God and, and are held accountable for the lives we've lived. On that day, you know what? None of us will say to God that we've lived the life we should have lived. Yet on that day, even though we've been unrighteous, we will receive mercy and we'll be received into his kingdom because of the righteousness of Christ and the evidence of that righteousness in our lives as His Spirit has worked in us. And on that day, we will be perfected and glorified. will satisfy our hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to ask you, as we fight sin today, as you fight sin today, which of those three things do you need to remember this morning? We need them all, but I just want to ask you very personally, where do you need to hear the encouragement this morning? You've sinned. You have sinned. You, you can see your sin right now and you grieve over it, but you need to know this morning, God has declared you righteous. He has said you are righteous in Christ. He has justified you. Yes, you've sinned, but he has justified you. If you are despairing because of your sin, know this morning that you are justified. God has declared you righteous with Jesus' own righteousness. Or maybe you are struggling and, and you, are, you are having a hard time believing that you're ever going to conquer sin. You have a hard time believing that actual righteousness is possible in your life. You know you've been forgiven, but you don't know how you can be holy. God is making you righteous. God is making you holy. God is making you like his son. He is sanctifying you. Believe that this morning. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you've been a Christian for some time and you are tired of the fight. You are tired of fighting sin. You wish it was easier, but you need to know the day is coming when the battle will be over. Your fight for sin is not forever. It is not forever. It is a temporary fight that will be over and you will be perfected one day. And so keep fighting. Don't give up. Keep persevering. Keep fighting sin. Keep putting it to death because God will perfect you in righteousness. He will glorify you. That day is coming when you will not fight your sin anymore. And so keep going today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I want to ask this question. Why would righteousness be satisfying? Okay, I think from the world's perspective, 
saying that righteousness is satisfying. It's kind of like telling someone who's really hungry, like, here's, here's some broccoli. Here's some raw broccoli. You know, it's like, that's not what I want. <laughs> I'd like a burger, please, and some fries and a milkshake. No, no. So, so the, the world sees righteousness as that, that is not satisfying. That's not what you want when you're hungry. But Jesus, Jesus says, no, this is what, this is what brings true happiness, is having that hunger and thirst for righteousness satisfied. Why is righteousness satisfying? And I think we see why at the end of verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For they shall see God. This is the point of righteousness. This is the goal of righteousness. This is why the gospel is good news. They shall see God. We were created for God. We were created to know God and enjoy God forever. This is who we are as creatures. God God designed us this way. He knows what will satisfy our hearts. It's seeing Him in His glory, which is something that we cannot do in our sin. Yet here Jesus says that the pure in heart will see Him. See, the gospel is not just good news because Jesus died for our sins, because you got to ask, well, well why, why do you want that? It's not just good news because God forgives you. Well, why do you want forgiveness? Well, because we get to go, we get to, go to heaven. Well, why do you want heaven? Well, just keep going down. Why, why, why does that matter to you? Ultimately, the answer is because God is there. I want God. I, I'm made for God, and I, I want to see him and enjoy him and worship him, and that is what Jesus promises us here. We see this played out in Philippians 3. You guys may know the passage in Philippians 3. Paul is talking about his former righteousness as a Pharisee. And, and he, had, he had as good of a righteous record as anyone in the world's terms. And then he came to realize that righteousness is nothing before God. And he said, I count it as loss. What? For the sake of knowing Christ, I count it as loss. He said that I might be found in him, that I might gain Christ. He says, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ, that I may know him. Why does Paul want Christ's righteousness? Because he wants Christ. Because he wants to know him. He wants to gain him. He wants to be found in him. And then he says, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to keep pressing forward because I want Christ. I want more of him. So, so, Imputed righteousness is satisfying because it makes us right with God. And progressive righteousness is satisfying because we have deeper fellowship with God. And that ultimate righteousness will satisfy us because we will see God face to face. It's all centered on God. And this is why we can then go back to Psalm 63 and see this is not a different hunger. This is not a different thing. But here's what Psalm 63 says. You guys probably know this. Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I'm thirsty for you, God. I'm hungry for you. And I'm going to be satisfied in you when I behold you in your power and your glory. This is why we hunger for righteousness. We hunger for God. And he satisfies us. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Oh, taste and see. It's an invitation to have your spiritual appetite awakened and then satisfied in God. If you were here this morning, you've never experienced that satisfaction in God, and I invite you to taste and see that the Lord is good this morning. Come to Jesus in repentance of your sin and faith that he died for your sins on the cross and rose again, and that he brings you to God and taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then listen to what 1 Peter says, long for the pure spiritual milk. Christian, how hungry are you today for God? Are you craving God? Are you longing for Him? Long for the pure spiritual milk. If indeed you've tasted and seen that He is good. Open, your word, open the Word of God and, and sit in it until you get a sense again of the greatness of God and the greatness of Christ and the, and the satisfaction of seeing Him in His power and glory. Pray and fast and ask the Lord to awaken that hunger in you. But if, bless, if, if, if it's blessed are those who are hungry for these things, then what we need to do is we need to increase our hunger. Let's increase our hunger for God. Let's come before him and say, God, I'm hungry and make me even hungrier so that I can know the satisfaction and the joy of the spiritual food that you provide in Jesus Christ. Especially this week as we enter into Passion Week, as we, as we meditate on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gave his body for us. He, gave, he poured out his blood for us. Let us feed on Christ and be satisfied in him. I'm going to pray and ask the music, music team to come as we sing one more song. Father, we confess that left to ourselves, Lord, on our own, we never sought righteousness. We were not righteous.